Good morning, and welcome to our Palm Sunday recorded service. This morning, I'd like to start us off with a prayer. Dear God, thank you for sending your Son and paving the way for our lives to be set free through Jesus. Thank you for what this day stands for, the beginning of Holy Week, the start of the journey towards the power of the cross, the victory of the resurrection, and the rich truth that Jesus truly is our King of Kings. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We give you praise and honor for your ways are righteous and true. We give you worship for you are holy and just. We will declare that your love stands firm forever, for your loving kindness endures forever. Thank you that your ways are far greater than our ways, your thoughts far deeper than our thoughts. Thank you that you had a plan to redeem. Thank you that you make all things new. Thank you that your face is towards the righteous and you hear our prayers and know our hearts. Help us to stay strong and true to you. Help us not to follow after the voice of the crowds, but to press in close to you, to hear your whispers and seek after you alone. We praise you and we bless you, Lord. Thank you that you reign supreme and we are more than conquerors through the gift of Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Our Palm Sunday service this morning starts with our scripture reading of Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Lose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Today is a good day to talk about our attitude. More importantly, our attitude towards Jesus. These days in this time of change and quarantine, we all have attitudes about the things in our lives. We can have a positive attitude, a negative attitude, a good attitude, 
a bad attitude, an attitude of love, an attitude of hate, or even an attitude of indifference. Our attitude is often what causes us to view a circumstance as a blessing or a curse. Our attitude can set the wheels in motion for how any situation will affect us, our families, those around us, and our lives. Our attitude is a choice. Pastor Chuck Swindell had this to say about attitude. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, more important than the past, more important than education, more important than money, more important than circumstances, more important than failures, more important than successes, more important than what other people think or say or do. More important than skill. Attitude will make a break or break a company, a church, or a home. The amazing thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can truly change in many situations in our lives is our attitude. I believe that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how we react to it. And so it is with us, we are in charge of our attitudes. Today is Palm Sunday, the day we celebrate Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. One of the steps in the last week, weeks of Jesus's life on the earth as a human, and one of the first steps on the road to it is finished. There were many attitudes in the faces of the crowd that day. And it is my prayer as we look at their attitudes, we can see ourselves in those faces. Earlier, as we read the scripture, we heard and we saw what happened when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. God's word tells us in all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus riding into Jerusalem caused a great stir in that city. Huge crowds had already arrived for the celebration of the Passover. <clears throat> there were huge crowds of people in town for the celebration Huge crowds had already arrived for the celebration of the Passover. There were huge crowds of people in town for the celebration, and those crowds were made up of individual people. And with those people came attitudes. And those attitudes towards Jesus made all the difference as to how those people viewed the events, about how they viewed Jesus, and even how they viewed themselves. As we will see today, we often share those same attitudes. And those attitudes can have a huge impact on how we view the situation in our lives, how we view Jesus, how we view others, and even how we view ourselves. Palm Sunday is a time for us to examine our attitudes toward each other as well as toward God. In a way, Palm Sunday is about a huge parade coming into town with one main attraction. The center of that parade is Jesus. And our attitude towards him makes all the difference in the world as to our response to him. Let me set the scene for you. Jesus had less than a week to live, and he knows it. He has, after a little over three years of public ministry, 
decided to make it known publicly that he is the long-awaited Messiah, the king that God's people has been waiting for for hundreds of years. We read in the Old Testament a prophecy about a king who would come into the city riding on a colt. Zechariah predicted it would happen over 500 years before Jesus was born. In Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. The time had finally come, and Jesus was ready to take the next step. He is riding towards his whole reason for being, which was to obey God the Father. Riding towards the completion of his calling in the faces in the crowd on that day, on that wonderful day. There were thousands of people with thousands of attitude. Today I would like to, with your blessings, to look at just a few of those faces and attitudes and what they mean to us. First, we see the committed the true followers of Jesus. Not perfect people, people with flaws and weaknesses, but committed followers who are trying hard to let Jesus rule their lives. Trying to leave their old lives and their old habits and their old hangups behind and truly let him be the Lord of their lives. In these committed followers, we see an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of praise, an attitude of awe, an attitude of service. Many of these committed followers had received Jesus's healings. Many had been the recipients of his blessings. I have no doubt there were some who had tasted the bread and fish on the mountain at the feeding of the 5,000. Some may have tasted the water that had turned to wine. These had seen his miracles, had heard his teachings and were grateful. They were ready to praise Jesus. Committed followers with an attitude of praise, thankfulness, and awe. Ready to risk all, give Jesus the reins of their lives. And next in the crowd, we see the confused. These are the people who maybe had heard about Jesus. They had heard of his miracles, maybe even experienced them. But this man, Jesus, did not seem to be what they were expecting. He was riding a donkey, not a great white stallion. He was coming in humility, not as a reigning king as they expected or hoped. Their initial attitude was excitement for the events, excitement about the prospects, but we know excitement often fades when things are no longer new. These people most likely believed Jesus was a great teacher, a prophet, a good man, but, their attitudes kept them from accepting him as Lord, as the Savior. They saw Jesus, but many left unchanged when the parade was over, when all that was left on the road was coats, palm leaves, and donkey poop. And their excitement turned to disappointment. The next faces we see in the crowd are the pretenders, the religious frauds. These pretenders act like they knew Jesus told people they knew Jesus, but in John's account of the triumphal entry, John tells us many were just going through the motions, shouting Hosanna, shouting praise him, but having an attitude of disbelief, an attitude of skepticism, 
seeing but still not believing, just playing church, still living life their way by their rules, but wanting to be seen at the party, showing up simply to be seen or for what they could get. And next we see the curious, the seekers. Many came because they were curious. They wanted to see this man. They had heard about him and his works. They were curious. Thank God for the curious because it is often curiosity that brings people to Jesus. God puts it in the hearts of men to seek him and curiosity often brings people to salvation. I have no doubt many who came on this day saw Jesus and left changed. The curious bring with them an attitude of wonder, an attitude of seeking, an attitude of there must be more to life than this. Curiosity can be a great gift when it leads to the discovery of truth. It can also be a curse when it leads us from the truth. The last faces and attitudes we will see today are the opposers, those who are hostile to Jesus, to God, to the message, those who want to stop him and his message, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, the Roman government, even one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas, fell into this group. They bring attitudes of hatred, of distrust, and they often bring attitudes of deceit and manipulation. The religious leaders who opposed Jesus in the crowd lied, manipulated, set traps, justified, hardened their hearts, and refused to see, refused to listen, refused to be changed. And they did everything to keep anyone from seeing or believing, everything to stop him and his word, even trying to stop him by killing him, which they did. We know they were unsuccessful. All they did was fulfill the prophecy on the road to Jerusalem, on the back of a donkey. Jesus saw many faces and saw many attitudes. In the crowd were those who loved Jesus and those who hated him. Those who were committed, those who were confused, those who were pretending to be something they were not, those who wanted to stop him, and many who were just indifferent, more concerned about their own lives and problems too busy to be concerned with Jesus. What is your attitude towards Jesus? When he looks in your face, what or who does he see? A few days after he rode in, Jesus called his disciples together and shared with them a last meal. He would soon be betrayed, rejected, tried, tortured, and killed for them and for us for the sins of the world. And in sharing that meal, he is telling them and us to remember what he has done, telling us to look at ourselves and see our own faces, to search our attitudes, to search our hearts. Are we committed or confused, curious or pretending, or are we opposing Jesus and his word? What is our attitude towards Jesus? Why are you here? Why have you come to Jesus? What attitude do you need to change? 
After hearing this message, will you leave with Jesus changed or unchanged? Even though we can't be together today to take part in the Lord's Supper, our communion, let me read for you from the Apostle Paul. Let this remind you why we should look at our attitudes before we take the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11, 27, 28 says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. 1 Corinthians 11:23 through 26 says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Today, as we begin Holy Week, let us remember the sacrifice that was made for us, the suffering and the pain that Jesus endured, the betrayal and heartbreak that he encountered. I know that right now we are all going through a time of mourning and loss because we aren't able to see our family and our friends. We aren't able to do the things that are normal to us. We aren't able to meet together and worship and fellowship. But we need to keep a prayerful heart. We need to keep an attitude of love and commitment to Jesus and to our Father in heaven and to each other. This will pass and we will once again be reunited with those we love and care about much like that day when we will be reunited with Jesus as he makes a triumphant return. Amen. And I'd like to leave you with these words this morning. From Palm Sunday to Holy Saturday, may God in his infinite mercy grant you a journey of renewal and hope, a time of prayer and reflection and joyful anticipation of our Lord's resurrection. May you live and serve this week in remembrance of Christ's love. We pray in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.